My name is Daniela, and you are listening to the Audacious Path Podcast, the one and only podcast that is specifically aimed at adventure creators just like you and me. Every two weeks, I talk to other creators within the adventure sphere, and I ask them about how they started and grew their adventure creator business. I am so super stoked about today's episode because I am talking to Fabio and Kristen from the YouTube sailing channel, Harbors Unknown. So before joining the sailing channel, Fabio worked in medicine and Kristen worked in advertising and marketing as well as running her own photography business. Fabio and Kristen were super generous with sharing what their YouTube journey has been like, but we specifically focused on what we called the creative's dilemma. It's like 150% to what you want to create at kind of the cost of not selling your paintings or getting views or whatever. We touched on things to shorts. Read that you kind of need to be careful with shorts though. And whether or not you should follow trends and clickbait. It's important when you, you know, you plan to use clickbait that you make sure that you deliver what you promised. Well, yeah, right? it wasn't necessarily clickbait because we did deliver. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Harbors Unknown. That's the American spelling without the U and at their website, www.harborsunknown.com. And I would absolutely love to hear what you think of this episode as you listen along. You can tag me or send me a DM at The Audacious Path and uh, enjoy the episode. Well, to start out with, if you guys could introduce yourselves, um, tell me about where you're at, what you're sailing on, all of the all of the juicy stuff. I'm Kristen. And I'm Fabio. And we are from the YouTube channel Harbors Unknown. We live aboard our 52-foot catamaran, 16 meters, Wanderlust. It's a Seawind 1600. And we've been aboard three years. Yeah, just about. Yep. And we are currently in Morea in French Polynesia. So tell me about what you guys were doing before you were YouTubers. I was in marketing and advertising, and I did have a lifestyle photography business. I did portraits of children's and families for a while. We were living in Fort Lauderdale at the time. Mm -hmm. We lived in Fort Lauderdale for 16 years. Uh, I grew up in Rhode Island. That's where we met. Uh, I was a surgeon. I'm still I'm a surgeon. I guess I don't practice anymore. <laughs> <laughs> a colonel rectal surgeon, and I subsequently became a hospital administrator, uh, chief medical officer in a large uh, institution in the United States, the Cleveland Clinic. And then um, now I'm just uh, selling bombs. Mm, but you're not American. I can hear an accent. No, no. A couple of things give it away. My name and my <laughs> accent. I'm Italian. I was born in Italy near Florence and I came to the States uh, after medical school. And what was the inspiring moment that kind of led you guys to buy your boat? And and why a new boat, by the way? Like, you, you have a snazzy boat. There wasn't really one moment, necessarily. It was kind of like a simmer that then kind of picked a piece to a boil, and then mm -hmm. we decided to go for it. But we had, so we've owned boats for many years, many years now. Fabio grew up sailing. He grew up on the coast in Italy. And so when we got together, he wanted to buy a sailboat and got a Beneteau 473, which we kept in Narragansett Bay in Rhode Island, in Rhode Island uh, Newport, essentially. So big time sailing grounds. And then we moved to Florida, took it there. And it was the wrong boat for that area, just too slow, too deep keel. And so this is kind of just to say that we've had a love of sailing for a long time. And Fabio started watching Delos and La Vagabond, like years ago, kind of when they first started, yeah. 
Yeah. And then he got me watching and, you know, you kind of dream, right? Oh, what if we lived on a boat? Like, what would that be like? And it just starts out as a fun conversation. But then it kind of over time became more serious and it was really just Fabio was working a ton. Yeah. And we wanted to really enjoy life. Then we started really seriously talking about living on a boat and which one would be best. You know, he had been looking for a boat for yeah. two years, and I felt like we were kind of on this emotional roller coaster of like, we found the one. No, we didn't. What about this one? You yeah, know? It took us a long time. And it was time. just like, I don't know. I felt like, you know, time was just passing by. And if we were going to do it, I wanted to go ahead and do it. And yeah. so <laughs> we liked the sea wind. It was really kind of the only one that checked all the boxes. And so the broker, of course, was like, I'm going to the Annapolis boat show in a few weeks. And I'm going to sell this next hull and then probably a couple more. So you guys are going to have to wait a couple years unless you sign now. And so we did. Let's jump to the creator side of things because that's really what people are here. Um, we were going back and forth, Kristen and I, about like what topics to uh, talk about. And I really appreciate you you know, clarifying everything because it's really important to make sure that this is specific to your journey. And I want to quote something you said in the email. So you said, our concept for the channel is to use the boat as a platform to sail the world with our home and explore places through food and culture. And we're currently trying to figure out how to grow our channel based on the content we want to create. It's the creative's dilemma. Make what you want or what will sell. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, I borrowed it from the artist dilemma, right? It's like 150% to what you want to create at kind of the cost of not selling your paintings or getting views or whatever. And, you know, part of the reward of having a YouTube channel is getting views. So, right. So now it's like, okay, well, we've had the channel going now for just about three years. I guess it'll be three years in October. Yeah. And so we have a history of videos. We've got, we just uploaded 114th episode. So we have a good catalog of episodes and kind of data to see what videos have done the best, right? And mm -hmm. people had originally gravitated to the channel because of the boat, really, we think, because those initial, whatever it is, five to 10 videos that were really focused on the boat, its performance, there was not a lot of sailing footage of, performance catamarans in general, right? Mm -hmm. And because the market is so limited, then people that are interested in performance catamarans were able to find sailing footage on our channel. Yeah. And so then originally, of course, because Fabio loves to cook, we wanted to have cooking in the, um, in the channel and travel because mm -hmm. that's really, we were inspired by Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. That's Did, um, where the name of the channel came from. And so we truly aspire to kind of that kind of content. Obviously, Anthony Bourdain is much more witty than we could ever hope to be. Yes. But still, inspiration, right? So creative's dilemma those videos started tanking like anytime we did a cooking anything with cooking or more travel focused videos they just didn't get the views at all and so then we would do another performance video and then it would do better so over time we tried to make it where the videos would be like maybe a third sailing a third uh performance a third boat work or you know sometimes mix in the travel aspect if there wasn't cooking so that we could kind of incorporate what we enjoyed to do into a video that would get people to watch. And 
I think now we've learned that it's better to have a more specific video. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. We recently did a three-year review of the boat. What was that like? What was the warranty process? What broke? What, you know, are we happy with? What were we not so happy with? And what would we maybe have done differently? And that video is did very, very well, well. Uh, for us. So content like that. Yeah, right? some content where we can really show ourselves more on, on camera talking to the audience about us and, and I think developing characters a little bit so that they get to know us a little bit in our in our world, in our lives. So how did you go about, I always think it's really important for creators to experiment, right? Like it's really easy to like look at what everyone else is doing and just copy that. But really like if you want to be successful as a creator, you need to have what Jay Klaus called experimentality. So a mentality of experimenting. How have you gone about like experimenting and, and brainstorming in, in that idea generation process? I come from oh, a background yeah. uh, in, in the kind of second part of my life, more of, of science and um, and management and you know having teams of people that we would sit down and uh, and go through a you know uh, analysis root cause analysis uh, FMLA you know, so, so analyzing what what bad can happen what good can happen brainstorming was kind of like what, what we did all the time and Chris and I had talked about this right how we have to be able to sit down and and kind of come up with ideas and and uh, see yes to everything and, and then talk about it more. And then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But, but being able to build on each other's idea rather than uh, finding the negatives. Do you guys do any kind of research or like competitor analysis when you're going through these ideas or do you stick away from that? We do. We have used, like we've had TubeBuddy over the past, I guess it's just a year. And then um, we've been experimenting with BidIQ. And then, of course, now with ChatGPT, right? You're asking, you know, people that want that are interested in living on a boat, what do they want to know, right? And kind of what is what are the AI tools telling you? And and then, of course, we do look at our competitors. You know, it's like looking at a, at a competitor, somebody about our channel size or maybe a little bit bigger, do they have an outlier video that really spiked and what was it? And can we do that in our own way, right? We live our life and document it. So it's not like we can come up with extreme ideas. It's all around what we are really experiencing in real life. Right. So our, I think our, the important thing that we can do is being authentic and, and, and trying to display the authenticity in a way that it's interesting to our audience through some different techniques. But there isn't that much you can do about forging a story outside of what you really do in life. Sorry, I think there's a way to frame it. Frame it, yes. That's what I was going to say, is that framing is one of the things that I've been learning a lot about lately from like Patty Galloway and um, George uh, Blackman who are like big YouTubers. They do scripting and consulting for like Ali Abdallah and stuff like that. And it all comes down to like framing. Like if you don't have control over the idea, then how you frame it can be a huge thing. So it sounds like you guys are thinking about that. Like how so? Basically trying to think of how we can develop a story that's interesting to people that are either entertained by boat life or want to do it themselves, right? Like for example, being here in Morea, 
it is a beautiful place. It is one of the top honeymoon destinations. It's like a really hot travel destination. And for a travel vlogger, it would probably be a very easy topic, right? Because it's a super hot place, a lot of uh, search traffic around it. But for sailors, it's a bit tricky because it is like a travel paradise, right? So there's very little drama going on. No challenge. Uh, you know, so there's not a lot of challenge. Like it truly is like a paradise place, right? So you kind of have to think about how you can frame it in a way that would be interesting to sailors. How do you guys balance like an idea being focused on growth versus like um, gaining loyalty with your core audience? I think our core, our core audience really are those people that are interested in performance catamarans and that type of sailing. So that kind of video always leads to growth anyways. So that kind of goes hand in hand. I think it the trickier thing is getting our core audience to also watch the more lifestyle or travel or diving, whatever it is. So the the core audience, we kind of know what ticks our box. The challenge there is how do you reinvent it? right? Like there's only so many ways to do that. And it's not like we can afford to go out and buy new sales or new whatever perform equipment that would enhance the performance like every month, right? So yeah. you do that once in a blue moon and then you have some interesting content for a little bit and then it's like, That's okay, right. what next? And the truth of the matter is that most of the time we, we are at anchor somewhere. Right. So, so you're not always, always sailing, sailing right? around. Yeah. So it is hard to, to have content about sailing constantly. This is so interesting because this is a problem that I see a lot where what people want to do is not necessarily in alignment what, with what will grow. And the question that's coming to my head is like, what's the best way to find a topic that is both, you know, or is the performance side of it in alignment enough for you guys? I mean, am I maybe not hearing that? Yeah, that is in alignment enough for us. It's not that we don't enjoy doing the, like it's, we enjoy learning how to get the boat to perform better, right? And by making the videos, it kind of forces us to record the instruments and talk about our point of sale and what we've got going on and yeah. like what we're doing. So we actually have the data to be like, oh, wow. Okay. So that makes the boat go better in this point of sale. Yeah. I, I think that there are grossly two types of viewers in, in YouTube today. There are those that are like viewers of, of topics. So they will watch performance Catherine videos regardless who's, who's doing it. And, th and then there is a group of people that kind of, I don't want to say fall in love, but start liking the, the, uh, the, characters. the, the characters in, in the video. So the so people that will watch Sailing La Vagabond regardless of whether they're sailing, whether they're going on. on or like Nahoa. Or Nahoa. I think Nahoa is, is a good example. Great example. They're, they're doing fantastic. They're selling a lot, but but I think people watch them also when they were like on a van. They have a loyal following of people that like them as characters. So I think that for a lot of new channels, the ones, for example, that do refits, uh, they, they, there are people that like to watch refit videos. So so there's a loyalty towards refit, not necessarily towards the uh, the um, characters in the in the 
video. What's interesting about that, though, is um, my research has uncovered that, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but it's something that I've really kind of understood recently is that there's different roles to growth um, around the whole YouTube atmosphere. So like if you started seven years ago, that there's different roles to growth. Or if you're small now versus like big now, there's different roles to growth. Um, or um, depending on which sector you get into. And one of the biggest mistakes that I made when I first started my channel is that I was trying to grow using the same strategies that were like Vagabond or Delos or Nahoa or all of them were using, but that's not necessarily how you grow today. And it's not necessarily how you grow when you're small. Um, and I, I think that that's one, one of those things my head's been trying to wrap around is that like, if I want to grow now, I need to be much more targeted and I can become broader later, if that makes sense. That's what, exactly. Yeah. And I also think that there's a huge difference for those first to come, first comers to, 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 uh, to the market, like the Delos, the, the Levagabond and Nahoa as well. Because back then I was looking for new, new, uh, YouTubers to watch. There weren't that many. So, you know, you 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 watch Delos, then you watch the Vagabond, then you'd be like, who else is there, right? Now, there's a plethora of new channels doing selling videos. Like, every week, there's another 100. So, so, so people will jump around and, I think, watch videos of, of the, in, on those topics that they're interested in. The, the challenge with that, as we, or we said, basically, it, it's very hard to have a topic about selling because you're not selling all the time. You can do a, a topic about, for example, cooking channels do fantastic. Oh, that's easy. Because, you know, you can do a new recipe every day and they have millions of views and, and they do super duper. Or, or channels that review um, electronics, you know, they have to get new gadget and talk about those. But in, in, in a lifestyle channel like we have, it's hard to... Uh, do something different every day. Most days you do the same stuff. How do you guys keep some pizzazz to it or keep it fresh? Like what's, what are you, what are you thinking about when you're thinking about that freshness or are you? So yes, we definitely think about it and we're trying to be kind of more strategic about creating our episodes and intentional when filming at the outset. For this particular period of time, it really has been quite easy because we were prepping the boat for the Pacific crossing. Then we had the Pacific crossing. Then we're in like, uh, you know, French Polynesia, we're in the Marquesas. And then to go to the Tuamotus, which are very different from the Marquesas. And also the content has just created itself. It's been pretty <coughs> easy yeah. up until I think this point. But, you know, then there's like boat life. It always throws a curve at you. Like what's going on with the boat? Like, Something breaks. Do we have to, yeah, we have to fix something so we can't yeah. go here or life, you know, like if there is drama, yes, we, of course, try and play it up a bit for the story. But if there's no drama, like we don't, we don't create it, which may be to the detriment of the video, yeah. probably. But our characters are, are now developing in that direction. I think we don't want to, we don't want to change it. We want to stay true to our persona the way we are. Cause that's how we are. We really are like, you know, I'm not an actor, so <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not going to help. We're terrible actors. If you're enjoying this episode, then I also recommend that you sign up for my newsletter where every two weeks I share research backed and tested advice on how to start, grow and monetize your adventure creator business. 
The newsletters include information on how to start your channel, how to build a brand, how to storytell, how to edit, and build an income and much, much more. And I hope that you will join the growing list of other creators that are making their adventurous lifestyle sustainable. So I want to lean a little bit towards trends. How do you guys think about trends generally speaking things like shorts or using clickbait or like you know understanding that drama is something that people look for are you guys looking into any of that are you doing any research do you watch what people do yeah shorts are a big thing of course a way to grow uh i have read that you kind of need to be careful with shorts though because a lot of times the uh, it's a totally different audience. And though you may get a lot of views on a short, they don't necessarily transition to the long form content. So then people that subscribe from a short, they're not clicking on your thumbnails for the long form content. And so it kind of hurts the performance of the video. So yes, we would like to do more shorts, clickbait. I mean, if there is any kind of dramatic element in the video at all, like for example, we had a really hard time anchoring. Anchoring in the Marquesas was a challenge. And so we had a really particularly hard time anchoring in this one island in the main town, Hiva Oa. And it's like become notorious, like a lot, even Delos, they were like, we're not going to that anchorage, it's horrible. We definitely played that up for sure, because it's like, how do you kind of invoke curiosity, right? In the intro of the video and how do you kind of keep people watching? But I think that uh, it's important when you, you know, you plan to use clickbait that you make sure that you deliver what you promised. Well, yeah, right? it wasn't necessarily clickbait because we did deliver what was yeah. in the... So we don't use bait. So it's like, not... That's what I was say. It's yeah. not like clickbait per se. No. Where you, you, you put something on your thumbnail, in your title, and then it's just a, a, a mention inside yeah. the video, right? It's got to be some way to it. Yeah, no, we don't use clickbait because, right, that's the one of the most important things. Like, I'm sure you follow Colin and Samir. Like... They've been really talking about, I just was listening to one of their podcasts talking about like what, how, what's, uh, what are the components of the perfect intro, right? And the most important thing is immediately delivering upon the thumbnail, affirming that the viewer is going to get what they clicked on, right? So to use clickbait that is not related to the video, no, we don't do that. One of the things that I find as I've gone through this like YouTube journey is that what you see viewers say on like the, the YouTube sailing group, for example, I don't know if you've gone in there much, but like what people say in there is often like so inaccurate to what's happening, right? Like if there's a chick that's in a bikini at all on a thumbnail, then suddenly it becomes clickbait in their minds. And you're like, well, but I was in a bikini in the video. And exactly. just because I'm putting it on the thumbnail, that doesn't make it clickbait. That's not what clickbait is because you're right. going to get that's that promise. It's going to yeah. be exactly what I said it's going to be. Yeah. And I find that like when I first started my journey, I would see all of that. I'm like, okay, well, I can't use like me in a bikini because I don't want to be clickbait. And then I'll like put these viewers off. But that's not what it is. That's It's a completely inaccurate description of what clickbait is. Clickbait is when you're not delivering on your promise. Again, it comes to the, to the uh, concept of being authentic. If you live on a bikini and you have yourself on a bikini on a boat, fine. In fact, if you were naked on a boat and you took a picture, if you, you, YouTube allowed it, <laughs> or you know, with some blurring, because you you are a, a naked sailor. Or that, if, that's your shtick. I mean, that's your right. thing, right? I don't have any problem with that. Exactly. The thing is that it, it's a huge market. 
I mean, there's a lot of people who like to see that. Not me, but, but maybe Kristen, you know, walking around naked. <laughs> but that's not what we do. If other people do it, more part to them, I absolutely stand behind them. And I find that there's there's a lot of nuance to it. Like, um, I won't say who it was that I reached out to, but I did reach out to a channel and ask them if they would do an interview on like using tits and ass content to grow their channel. And in the end, their response was, it might help us a little bit, but it wouldn't help us if we didn't already have good content. And, and I thought that was really interesting because sometimes what I'll see is these... Um, I don't want to like call people out because I think this is probably like an area where it's easy to be shamed, but you'll see people where they're like, have their like tits, like completely like, you know, big. And, and it just looks like this very, if, the only word I can think of is unclassy photo. And then you get in there and it's completely unrelated and stuff like that. And then you see other creators where like, there's this beautiful woman on the thumbnail and you go and watch it and you're completely inspired by the end of the video. And they're both showing very little or a lot of skin and one performed better than the other. And I think the nuance there is the authenticity to what happened in the video and exactly. how you normally are, if that makes yeah. sense. Exactly right. Yeah. Makes hundred percent sense. Sure. How do you think about your thumbnails? I mean, I've seen a couple of yours where you have like a bikini shot in them, but it sounds like that's not like you're not doing it intentionally to uh, bring in rope and new viewers. Like it's, tell me more about that. Sometimes it is intentional because you know that kind of that's the expectation of the sailing lifestyle, right? But it's interesting because those, if you look at the performance of the videos, it doesn't really have an impact on the performance which is good to know, right? But it would be interesting to do the same thumbnail where it's like you're in a bikini in one and you're in like sun gear in another. Like which one is going to do better? Like yeah. obviously the one in a bikini. The range of topics you guys are covering is so big in my mind. I mean, maybe it's not. And you probably need to watch more of your videos. But how do you, like what's the difference in audience engagement on each one? So going back, like if yeah. anything with performance yeah. about the boat, of course, does better yeah than anything else uh a more engaged audience too yeah yeah absolutely the, yeah. the core audience it started as like performance catamaran selling people like that's the that's really Who and and some of those people have hung around over time and that's definitely the core audience so for sure anything uh, sailing performance of the boat that's gonna do well for example uh we have had cooking videos that have tanked with like you know a year later, we got 3,000 views. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> Not even, uh. right? And, uh, and and so we oh. know, we haven't done those anymore, but we tried, I guess. Right. But even something that's still kind of associated with, like, boat life is, you know, we found what our favorite anchorage in the Marquesas, right? So what makes a good anchorage and why we loved it there. There was a, a bit of culture. There were yeah. dolphins that, you know, it was sandy bottom, good holding, protected food. It didn't do well at all. No. So it's people really, they want that sailing in there. It's, it's interesting to me that like just throughout this conversation, it's very much like um, 
rather than trying to attract a specific audience, you guys are reacting to what your audience wants. Do you recommend that as a strategy? Because I know that like there's some channels I've talked to where like um, they are specifically trying to target an audience and they only make content to get the audience, even if it means slower growth. Whereas like you guys seem to be much more reacting to the audience. Do you, do you recommend that? That's the creative's dilemma, the artist's dilemma, right? So I come I was a photographer, you know, I come from a photography background, right? And so I was younger then, and that was really kind of my first thing that I took on where I was kind of creating myself, right? And creating a product for people to buy. And so in that, it was like, okay, well, what kind of style are people looking for? Blah, blah, blah. Because when you're young, you kind of do that. And so when we had the YouTube channel, I was like, I don't want to do that. I, you know, we want to make the kind of videos that, we want to create. Then you also want the channel to grow. You also want to get views. At the same time, now we're finding a balance where we are doing the things that we want to do, but we're also trying to create uh, content that people find valuable, that the audience finds valuable, because there's reward in that too. Like the 10 things we wish we knew before living on a boat. People really appreciate that kind of information. And so it is rewarding. Like the three-year review of the boat, the response from people was really excellent. So that is, it's rewarding in a different way, right? And so then you can really create those connections and then the people will hopefully watch your videos as you explore and create the other kind of content. I think to strictly create content that you want to create and try and hope that you're going to stand out in this market and get views, you have to be like a super dynamic person. My advice for somebody who's starting a YouTube channel today in this, you know, genre, adventure, in adventure sailing, whatever, you can't just take take a camper or a sailboat and go to a place in the Bahamas, because that's like yeah. right now, and, and shoot, you know, the exhumas and, oh, we, we dive with this and, and, and expect anybody's going to look at it. It's so saturated. It's saturated, right? So either you are like the most beautiful couple that, you know, Brett Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And young young and super good looking and and with the story, like Expedition Evans is another like outlier who their channel just blew up overnight. But they are, you know, young, good looking talented like she was a wedding photographer previously so gets the whole story and editing and shooting beautiful imagery and but then they have the story like they bought that boat with a thousand dollars or whatever it was uh you know so it has a also a fantastic story yeah so that's another outlier but like how many young good-looking couples are there that are buying boats and on the cheap and refitting them but not seeing that same type of ex- of success well it's, it's so interesting because um one of the things so um i just have so much data on tracking youtube all i do I, I don't know if you guys know much about like what i'm trying to do here but i'm trying to create a course for uh youtubers who are struggling that's data-based 
Um, so I just go through and collect data constantly. I have so many spreadsheets where I'm like tracking like why people are successful. And I've come up with what I think is a vlogger formula. And it's what you need in order to be what I consider a pure vlogger. So someone who is able to show just their lifestyle without ever having to think about, um, you know, doing the balance and all of that. And it's things exactly like all those things you just listed, but it's not just one of them. They typically have all of them. Or and it's things like, you know, good timing. Like you look at wind hippie sailing. I, I, she's one of my favorite examples because she timed it so well with such a unique story. She's a really good looking person. She's got compelling storytelling skills. Um, and so it, it just kind of works. Or like, you know, you said like um, Expedition Evans, like she's not just got good looks. They've also got all these other things. Um, and it's interesting because one of the things that I always recommend when I'm doing consulting with people is if you're not going to be um, having that vlogger formula, then the, my research shows that the fastest way to growth is by focusing on a specific topic, which is kind of what you guys have done by talking about the sea wind. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think, know. I don't know I about that. Yeah, I think actually, first off, you know, the sailing purists, they love monohull. They're like definitely catamaran haters. And then the new boat, it doesn't have that that story, yeah. right? And it's not an attainable dream, right? Like people are watching something that it's like, I could do that. Like, yeah. If I really wanted to, I could do that. And we've but seen that in comments. We have seen that, in, especially in that YouTube sailing group. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. you know, you guys have money. You bought a million dollar boat. Now you know you want to show us your life. Where's the story in that? Where's the story in there? You know, uh, I could never have so, something like this. Exactly. So I, I think, I think, uh, you know, the challenge of making it work on a shoestring, getting a, a cheap, a cheap monohull, fixing it up, showing that as a young person who has not had a successful career yet, uh, but makes that their career. So this, uh, you know, this young taking the risk, taking the risk instead of join corporate world just go again on the boat and sailing around and and making it with youtube that's a great story that's a story that other young folks can can you know aspire to our our audience is older yeah our audience is like you know between 50 and 60 well, 45 and up really. 49 and up yeah. Audience. yeah so so they don't then you know they can relate to to having a, had a career already and and going on a boat after your career uh, whether you retire or do something else, maybe on a more expensive boat, but but we, we right yeah but we have narrowed our niche considerably buying this particular boat. Yeah, one thing that I've heard recently is that um, even if you don't blow up right now, if you always focus on producing high quality videos, that one thing that sets channels off is a big event right? A big event. So like, for example, like, let's say you were talking about um, uh, China's going to make some big disease and it's going to spread throughout the world. And then suddenly COVID hit a big life event and everyone's like, oh my God, did anybody know about this? And then suddenly this video you made 10 years ago blows up and, and you have a high quality. It seems like to some extent, like you guys have held yourself to a really, really high standard. And, and is that something that you guys think about at all? All the time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, coming from a photography background, that was always something that was really important to us. And then we had to learn more like YouTube because initially it, we didn't want the story to be about us. We wanted it to be about the places that we were visiting, the experiences that we were having. 
And so we didn't do a lot of vlogging, like not a lot of talking to camera type of stuff. It was more, if anything, it was like kind of filming like us having a conversation as we were sailing. Like, so we had to learn YouTube. Audio was something that I definitely had to learn more about because again, coming from photography, there was no audio. So it was like, I wasn't super focused on audio and then our audio was horrible. So that was definitely something to pay attention to. And in fact, people say that audio may be more important than the visuals because people are more lenient if the visuals are not, you know, perfect, but the audio is great. They are more likely to stay on and watch than vice versa. But then again, if I, if I had to put uh, uh, a number of importance, I would say that the story it's more important the quality of the video, right? Yes, for sure. Story is mo- it's the most important thing, probably. Subject and characters' likability probably come after, or yeah. maybe at the same level. And then I think the the ed- the, the quality of the video, audio, the te- technical aspects come, I, I would say, third, right? How do you prioritize your learning? I mean, you, you bring up so much good information that, like, you do, to some extent, need to make learning, like, kind of a constant thing. At least that's my opinion. Is that, I mean, it can't stop. So how do you prioritize what you learn, and how do you go about that process? It's kind of organic. <laughs> it's organic. It's yeah. a bit organic. I mean, Fabio is, you know, being a who he is he, just <laughs> education is like a doctor and yeah, yeah i was a professor he was a professor at, at brown, brown like an ivy so, league i mean I, I he's teach. an educator himself yeah. he's always been looking at what is next and now like recently he's like we've been trying we've been looking at thumbnails and they're like there's something about those Delos thumbnails what are they doing i was like listen i, I I tried to edit like that. I couldn't figure it. Like, I can't, like, I don't know what they're doing, but yeah. Yeah. So, we, we, you know, we, we're trying to look at stuff and try to learn how other people are doing it, you know. So we always talk. We do research together. We we watch videos together and, and just talk about it. It's our, really, it's, it's our purpose right now, right? Well, we both are fulfilled by learning. Right. So it's not a chore. It's not like, oh, gosh, I got to learn how to do X, Y, Z. It's that in itself is part of the process that we enjoy. One thing that I would say, and you guys might already know this. I'm just I always feel like point out the obvious in sailing because you never know what people know. Um, But when you look at um, when you're studying thumbnails, look at the proportion of subscribers that are watching that video. And that's one thing that um, I got from Patty Galloway is that like there's one channel, someone keeps recommending them and like they have like a million subscribers, but they only have 12,000 viewers per video. Yeah. I'm like, yes. okay, well, obviously you're not doing something right because you should have yeah. more like 200, well, 400,000. Yeah. Well, because that's a big part of like what I'm trying to teach is that how you study YouTube will determine your success because I'm sure you guys have gone through the same experience that I've gone through where you did a bunch of research on YouTube and then maybe eventually found out that a lot of that advice didn't apply to our sector. Yeah. That, no, and that, that's that's what I was trying to allude to earlier. It's a deep, you know, Mr. Beast and, and all those people, they, they have a team of people. They sit around on, on a day and they say, what are we making a video about today? Something insane, some, some you know, obscenity, uh, of your life, I'm gonna buy a million dollars of food and give it to a guy. You know, we don't do that. We have we are we have vlo- we are vloggers, lifestyle vloggers, right? Most of the time, for a good percentage of our videos. Yeah, I suppose. 
They are not. They don't vlog their life. He don't know what he's doing on his life, <laughs> right? He, do, he does stuff yeah, that yeah, is insane. Yeah, he's a challenge creator. So it's a challenge. Yeah. So, so they make up stuff and they make a video about it. And that's it, it's, it doesn't apply. The thumbnails are not the same. The story is is all created. So I think you, you have a very good point there to say we... And there, I don't think there is anybody really doing the a Patty Galloway of selling YouTube videos, really. There isn't a well, person. because the market is so small. market right? is small. But I... But, I think in, in, in this vlogging segment, I think there isn't a lot of, because we look for it all the time, there isn't a lot of good advice to be had. What are your goals moving forward for your channel? And what are some like things that you're you're trying right now to help with your growth? Obviously grow as much as we possibly can. And then really just being a bit more strategic with the content. Uh, as we talked about, you know, trying to incorporate those specific either things that people can learn about boat life or sailing in general a good advice if this is a place to give advice to people that please don't have please it. do if you get into this as a, as a new you know a new challenge for your life take it for what it is you gotta love the process uh it necess- not necessarily look for an outcome because the outcome is not definitely not guaranteed and if it comes it's going to take some time and those that go into right most those right those that go into i'm going to buy a boat to to have a youtube channel (laughs) it makes no sense if you want to be a cruiser and then you want to have a youtube channel to document your travels and maybe you're going to develop the skills and and you have the looks and you have all the stuff and you know sorry then maybe your your channel will grow but but i don't think that is necessary the gateway to be a a successful YouTuber. Well, and when, what would be like one surprising lesson that you've learned about YouTube that you didn't expect? For me, uh, it was understanding that uh, the algorithm is not a bad guy out there that is going to serve your or not serve your videos, right? It's it's understanding who is out there that may or may not want to watch your videos and what they're looking for. And and if your video doesn't get watched, it's not because YouTube is is just a there kind of toying with you. It's just that you haven't really attracted the audience. That was for me the biggest uh, the biggest you know it's like akin to those that open a restaurant and they're surprised if people don't come and eat there because they you can blame all you want, the traffic, but it, maybe the food is not that good. Yeah, yeah, that's a hard, that's a hard lesson that people need to learn for sure. So, and how can people find you? Well, they can go to our YouTube channel, Harbors Unknown, and then Instagram, Facebook. We do have TikTok. We don't post as much, but yeah, all those things, all Harbors Unknown. And that is the American spelling of Harbors without the U. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you found any value in this at all, you could help me grow by sharing this podcast with someone else in the adventure space or leave me a five-star review on Apple or on um, Spotify podcast or whatever your podcast listening device is. It really does help me grow and this is not free to produce and I make no money off it at this point. So thank you so, so much and I will see you in two weeks.